If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi and welcome. Why don't you introduce yourself and your T1D kid? Um, my name is Janelle and my daughter is 16 and her name is Michaela. And when was Michaela diagnosed? When she was 12. Okay. So she's been diagnosed for four years. Yes. Tell me, Janelle, what question did you come on wanting to ask? So we have come across, what we have found is a unique situation where she actually was given a test for antibodies. We noticed that her numbers, she was needing outrageous amounts of insulin. Her numbers were very unpredictable. And so we went through a battery of tests and then my husband had found this antibody test. And so we had her tested. So 75% of the insulin is useless because it's taken over by the antibodies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does this condition have a name, Janelle? Yeah. So it's antibody syndrome. It's like EM antibody syndrome. Okay. Um, is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean in practice? Like, what is it? What does it mean that you're looking at day to day in terms of management or what's happening? Like, what's that experience of this like? From what we've heard, it's extremely rare. And what it does is it just adds another layer of unpredictability. So we never know how much of her insulin is going to be pulled by the antibodies. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it could be, you know, where not all the antibodies decide to grab the insulin. Like seven, when she was tested, 75% of her insulin was taken over by antibodies that day. Mm -hmm. But nobody can really tell us for sure mm -hmm. if it is a constant 75 or if the ratio changes from her numbers, it looks like the ratio is always ever changing. It'll do what's called an antibody dump where the antibodies will just release the insulin. Mm -hmm. Then um, she's, you know, we've given a ton of insulin on board and then it's just, it bottoms out. Mm -hmm. So it just adds a whole nother layer of unpredictability that mm -hmm. our doctors here aren't real sure how to manage it. And mm -hmm. so we've been told potentially, you know, we may have to go elsewhere. People that we've reached out to that are pediatricians around the country, they really don't have an idea of how to manage it um, at this time. And so we're just trying to manage it the best that we can. But it is creating an enormous amount of challenges. That sounds like it. 
It sounds like it. Are you seeing these huge swings day to day or are you seeing them only certain days, certain times, or it's all the time you're living with this? It's hard to say because it's it's kind of a layered effect. Day to day is the challenge. Nobody's 100% sure how much the antibodies are playing into it, how much of the diabetes is playing into it. And then she's also a... um very active volleyball player. Mm-hmm. So really active. And so we're not 100% sure, you know, how much the activity is playing into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody can really kind of decipher those out for us as mm-hmm. far as the antibodies are going to be involved this much in this much of your care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the diabetes this much, like there's really no ratio. So we can't really pinpoint and sift through the two? Given that I'm not a doctor, I want to understand Mm -hmm. what kind of support you'd like from me. I do have some thoughts, but I want to hear first from you. Like, why did you think that coming to talk to me might be useful? Well, I think this is just really thrown us for, it feels like a new diagnosis on top of (laughs) our already diagnosis. Mm So it kind of put us into, I felt like for four years, we had kind of moved through some of the stages that we needed to. And Mm now I think we're right back. Like I had said, you know, I'm a school teacher. I took the remainder of the year off because I want to be able to have her do everything that she needs to do. But also, I do want to find resources that can help us. Mm -hmm. I'm not completely sold on the fact that this is just the way it is. And, you know, you just treat it the same. Like my Mm -hmm. husband and I just feel like there has to be, you know, other avenues. And so Mm -hmm. we're very dedicated and um, wanting to find those. But I also think too, like for my husband, it kind of sent him back into the early stages of grief and just a lot of strong emotions that Mm -hmm. have kind of just kind of brought on a brand new diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course Mm -hmm. that's happening, right? Yeah. It not only is it really scary sounding situation, but Mm -hmm. it also creates a tremendous amount of variability and unknown, which you and I both know is also what happens when you have a new diabetes diagnosis, because you don't know what you don't know (laughs) when you're newly diagnosed and there's a lot to learn. And this sounds frankly, in some ways, even scarier because it's so rare. So I have a few thoughts for you, Janelle. The first Mm -hmm. one is I want to just applaud you for the way you're talking about it. You're saying we're dedicated to finding other avenues. You know, one of the things I thought of as you were talking is I'm a pretty big believer in getting connected right? Mm -hmm. Because having other people who have the same experience as you is helpful in so many ways, right? It makes you feel less alone, provides you with information, you have someone to talk to about your experience and get insight from them about what they're experiencing that's similar. So Mm -hmm. I think finding those people posting Mm -hmm. on every Facebook group for diabetes and saying, does anyone know somebody who, and I also think, finding those medical providers. So Mm -hmm. you might be looking at going to some of the, you know, and I don't know what the insurance issues are, what the money issues are, but barring those, you know, set those things aside, I feel like you're looking at going to some of the really elite institutions 
because those are the places where somebody is going to have the three to five patients who have this, and they're going to be able to help you as best as you can be helped, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to have the most information. So I definitely think you're looking at, you know, I don't know every name brand institution out there, but um, Mm -hmm. the Jocelyn Clinic in Boston, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking of, hold on, let me look it up. There's one in Denver. I just can't remember what it's called. Yeah, we reached out to the Children's Hospital in Denver, and I believe our doctor is maybe talking with some of the doctors, maybe at that clinic. Is that the Barbara Davis Center? Yes, Barbara Davis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. That sounds great that your doctors are talking to those doctors is really helpful because you have the extra advocacy of your team. And it sounds like your team knows that they don't know, which is good. That's what you want. (laughs) You want a doctor who asks the questions because they recognize that they've never seen it. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are two thoughts I have. Um, that are just about like getting connected and getting the right team because you don't have it yet. Right. And that is really scary to be dealing with something that's this, that is this much fluctuation and that feels this life threatening, right. On a regular basis. Yeah. So I'm going to pause there and just see how that sinks in. What do you think of those suggestions? I love those. One thing that like you should know is our daughter will um, wear a sensor, but utilize any other technology. So she won't wear a pump is what you're saying. Right. Uh And why is that? Um, She's just not ready for it. Do you think a pump would be helpful in managing this? I guess I don't know enough about them. Mm -hmm. We just believe that, you know, it's Michaela's body. We want to respect, you know, this is her disease, her journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we respect that. And so we we can and what she's comfortable with. I just th- kind of threw that out there because I think it just kind of adds another layer of how potentially different this all kind of looks in the mm-hmm. big picture. I have a few thoughts there. One question I have is what insulins is she using? So she's got Traceba is the long acting and then Fiosp is the short acting. And let me back up two months ago. Well, October is when we started this journey. And so one of the things that they had us do was try all families of insulins. Good. Um, So we played, yeah, all we have tried all long acting, all short acting. Mm -hmm. These are the two, but then, you know, you've got to have with this antibody syndrome, you have to have it to where the long acting and the short acting, not all the antibodies break them down, right? Right. So you got to find two instead of the one. Um, So let me interrupt you for one second. You had emailed and put in something through my website to come onto the show. And I'm just letting listeners know that I did a teeny bit of research in advance and consulted with an endocrinologist about this because I don't know what this is. And I do want to get to the emotional piece. What he said is exactly what you're saying, which is that there are, it's very rare. He had never seen it himself. And he said that different insulins behave differently, right? So you're, Mm -hmm. you're talking about that right now. My Mm -hmm. reaction to that, Janelle, is a few different thoughts. One is now does not seem theoretically to be the time to put a pump on your daughter, right? You have going on. Now Mm -hmm. might not be the time. 
That mm-hmm. said, if your short acting insulin does not induce the antibody syndrome, mm-hmm. but the long acting is more likely to, then that mm-hmm. is a very good reason to put her on a pump. And I know that a lot of parents, and I had the same thing with my son when he was first diagnosed, I was like, it's his body, he gets to choose. It's not just his body. We are mm-hmm. deeply involved. And sometimes like if our child had, God forbid, leukemia, they would mm-hmm. not get to choose what their treatment was. We would put them in mm-hmm. treatment. We would make those treatment decisions for them. So I'm of two minds right. here. One is absolutely yeah. don't complicate things. She doesn't need a pump. You've been managing for four years without it. The other right. is if the Fiasp doesn't do this weird antibody dump thing, but mm-hmm. the Traceba does, well, then by all means, get her on a pump. So she's just on short acting insulin. Yep. Does yeah, that make I sense? Agree. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's lots of ways to talk to her about that if it comes to that. Right. But you don't okay. know yet. That's part of the issue is that you don't know. Right. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. Your child was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in the last year, and you're still struggling with a feeling of mourning the loss of your healthy child. Sound familiar? If so, Sweet Talk's After Diagnosis Coaching Course was created with you in mind as a space to work through some of the emotional issues that come in the first year after your child was diagnosed, including that feeling of mourning. If you're ready to reduce the emotional impact of type 1 on your life, check out www.diabetessweettalk.courses. I want to back up just to the emotional piece, because that's really why you're here, right? Is that this is incredibly stressful and you feel, I imagine, very alone and the anxiety level in the family has gone up a huge amount. And I guess I'm wondering how much does it track your experience when she was first diagnosed? So is it similar? Is it similar kind of feelings? Is the family having similar reactions? How is it different? We literally feel like, and it's the worst possible feeling is because we just every day, every meal are taking a shot in the dark. And so it feels worse, I think, Mm -hmm. because we did have it managed through trial and error, even though we were new at it. But now this just feels even more overwhelming. And it is more overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. I I guess what I want to know is when Michaela was diagnosed four years ago, can you reach back to remember what it was like emotionally for you and also for your husband? Because you're saying that he's pretty dysregulated too. For me, I was paralyzed in grief. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, everything has now changed. The unknown of it and just, you know, how it was going to look day by day and going to the first restaurant, first team dinner, like all of those things were huge milestones that you're like, okay, if I can get through this restaurant, like I can get through the movie theater, I can get through, you know, there was just all of these like firsts. And so I was very much in that grief and sadness place where my husband was kind of more of the rock. And he was just kind of like, you know, we'll figure this out. We'll get through it. It felt like, you know, just kind of the four years digging myself like out of that grief and sadness and just finding a place of empowerment and strength, because I know that's the place that I need to be for my daughter. Now, then we have this new diagnosis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so now my husband's very much in the grief and sadness. I'm trying to navigate 
with her of how frustrating and unknown all of this is for her, but making sure that there is nothing that she cannot do, um, but making sure she does it all safely to the best of our abilities. But then, you know, also trying to like reassure my husband that it's going to be okay. I do know he's now going through those stages of grief, trying to be there for him. Some days, some days it's kind of, kind of balls up in the air all, yeah. <laughs> all at once. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't it yeah. be? It sounds like it's really a lot. It sounds like you are having to navigate and manage for all the emotional health of the family. And in some way, mm-hmm. Janelle, you're the perfect person to do it because you've been there, right? Your experience with the type one diagnosis was all this grief and sadness and the way you mm-hmm. said it really broke my heart. Like it's in the last four years, you've been digging your way out of that place. And before we started recording, you said, this is the first time in four years that you've gotten and you've reached out for any kind of support. I want to encourage you to do two things. To one, hold really steady, knowing that you are really advocating for your daughter medically. You're figuring out as best you can what to do. You're finding the resources. You're determined to do it in this beautiful way. Keep holding that as level as you can. And the way I think about this is sort of like you're a straight line and everyone else around you is is zinging around, right? They're ping, 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 up and down around you. You're the straight line as much as you can be, right? Because it sounds like right now you and your husband have sort of switched roles. You're more the rock and he's Mm -hmm. more agitated and dysregulated. What I want to remind you is that's that's not permanent, right? Just like it wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. I want to remind you that being there for him and for your daughter emotionally really counts for something. It means Mm -hmm. something for you to be able to validate that it makes sense that they feel these ways, right? Right. There's so much research on that. (laughs) That sounds like a boring thing to point to. But I think that a lot of people feel like I can't do anything, right? Mm -hmm. I can't change it. But Mm -hmm. what I want to offer you is that being there and sitting with them and saying, I get it, I know, I'm doing my best. And I totally understand why you feel this way. That Mm -hmm. is powerful. That is really, really powerful. The other thing I want to say to you, though, is, I think more resources is going to be better, right? Mm -hmm. You chose to not go that route, right with diabetes diagnosis. And Mm -hmm. I personally am a big believer in, in community, you've managed to do it without that, which is amazing. But I think mm-hmm. for this, you need more community. And this this community is going to be teeny tiny, right? Because it's such a rare condition. But I would mm-hmm. find those people as much as you can, both for yourself and your husband and your daughter. Yeah. Okay. How does that land, Jenna? I love what you said about like just, you know, being there for them emotionally. I know it is temporary, although it just feels very... You know, when you're going through it, it's it feels like this is the permanence of your life, right? And so it, it's hard to like see past that curtain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, that like gives me some hope that, you know, we'll be able to get past this. Um, I am excited about the support group. I think for the first four years, it just felt like we were... The community that we're in, it's not like it's real small, but it was seemed like the only thing we had in common was diabetes. But diabetes is like total range. And so 
people that we would try and connect, we were like, whoa, like that. <laughs> That's not going to be the best connection for us because it actually could potentially like harm us in our emotions because we just view it. We think of it differently. We live it differently. So I think that those things, when I was pretty vulnerable, kind of turned me off to, you know, this is not for me, but the loneliness of it just kind of creeped in. And I was like, you know, there has to be, you know, like-minded people, people who can help us, people that are more familiar with this. Now I'm excited because I think that I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm in a stronger place to where I can be like, I see the value in what somebody else does versus my journey and how it looks different. But I'm not no longer comparing the two, just receiving the information that best fits our situation. Yeah, I think that you're coming from a really strong place right now right? Where you're yeah. ready to embrace some community. I think you're talking about diabetes community. Yes. Not about that. Yeah. This antibody disease. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you can find some community around this antibody condition, mm -hmm. but certainly finding some like-minded diabetes community mm -hmm. could also be really helpful for you. Now I'm excited about looking for like support. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I'm interested in all and I'll be looking into it. So thank you. You're so welcome. It was lovely to meet you, Jay. Now, thank you for offering to come on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.